Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Hey church, it's now my privilege to encourage us in our giving. You know, I've always been moved by the depth of human compassion, especially in the midst of tragedy. One of the most interesting stories that I've ever come across is about an American soldier. He was deployed to an area that had been devastated by floods. The soldiers had collected there and were handing out food parcels to the survivors of the floods. One particular soldier was standing near the back of the line where he noticed a small 10-year-old boy waiting for a food parcel. This little boy seemed to be all alone and moved by compassion, the soldier took his own ration and he went over to the little boy and gave it to him. The little boy made his way to the front of the line and placed the food parcel on the top of the rest of the parcels. He then made his way back to where he was standing. The soldier stood there, perplexed. Eventually the little boy looked up at him and said, now there is more for others to share. Just like this little boy chose to be generous in the situation that he found himself in, let's continue to be generous no matter where we find ourselves. Generosity is a principle. It's not a feeling or emotion. It's a decision we make because we hold fast onto what Jesus taught us to do. Scripture reminds us in Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 25, generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. To the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. That is such a great promise. There are so many ways that we can give electronically. The banking details for both our Edenvale and Boxburg campuses have just come up on the screen, as well as our QR codes for SnapScan, which you can scan right now on the screen as I speak. We also have the really easy way of giving online, which you can do on our Thrive app or on our website. If you're watching on our online platform, you can click on the giving tab at the right hand of the corner above me, which will take you directly to our website. And if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can click on the link that just came up in the comments feed. Let's pray as we give. Father God, thank you for blessing us with the spirit of generosity. Thank you, Jesus, that you modeled generosity when you gave your very life for us. I thank you that as we give, we can expect your kingdom to extend to your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to church today. Trust you've had an amazing week so far. We're so looking forward to Youth Day. It's coming up on Tuesday. Can you believe it? We celebrate youth that thrive. We love young people. We champion young people every opportunity we get. So if you're watching today and you're one of our youth, you're under 18 years of age, hey, happy Youth Day for Tuesday. I hope you guys have an incredible, incredible day. Hey, so let me start today by saying I need this message more than anybody else. I'm pretty sure of that. I think I'm preaching to myself first today. I want to tell you a story about a lady called Helen Klaben. She's 21 years of age. She wanted to travel from Fairbanks to Seattle, and she decided to save some money by flying with an amateur pilot, a guy called Ralph Flores. It turned out to be a fateful choice because when her plane crashed on February the 4th, 1963, in a snowstorm in a really remote part of the Canadian wilderness, both her and the pilot suffered broken bones and other injuries, but apart from that, they were alive. 
Unfortunately for them, they had no other survival equipment except for a couple of matches and their food supply consisted of four cans of sardines, a couple cans of tuna, a couple cans of fruit cocktail and a bottle of vitamin pills. That was it. And to deal with the nighttime temperatures that went as low as minus 41 Celsius, they had to make a blanket from the plane's carpet, stuffed it with whatever they could find to cover the cracks in the plane's cabin and huddled there at night. They used the fuel from the fuel tank to light a campfire. So after a week, their food ran out, forcing them to survive on melted snow. Water for breakfast, water for lunch, water for supper. And as Klaben later explained to Life magazine, fortunately both the passenger and the pilot were overweight and so they could survive off their body fat, listen to this, for another 42 days until an aircraft finally spotted them and picked them up. 49 days in the Arctic wilderness. It's amazing what people can live through. They knew what to do in the through and because they did, they survived. You know, if you know what to do, you can live through almost anything. Today we start a brand new series. It's called What to Do in the Through. What to do in the through. And the reason we're starting it is because we are in a through season at the moment. Through is a preposition. It describes having left one space and moving towards another. Through is, in a sense, another way of describing the middle. It's simply the middle. Guys, we are in the middle, and we are in the middle of a strange season, and we're moving through it. It's a time when life is not as it once was, but we're also not sure what the future will look like on the other side. And so the question is, what to do in the through? In this time of middle, where we're not sure what the next looks like, we're going to explore over the next few weeks what to do in the through. We're going to talk about how to live through, lead through, learn through, and listen through. And today we kick it off with how to live through this season, how to live through the middle well. Now God has a lot to say to us about the through when we go through different things. About the strange state of having left one place but not yet having arrived in the next. Scripture has lots to say about the season called through. Isaiah 43 verse 2 tells us that when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Psalm 136 verse 4 tells us that Israel were passing through the midst of it, for his loving kindness was everlasting. Psalm 78 verse 13 reminds us, encourages us, that he divided the sea and caused them, being Israel, to pass through. And he made the water stand up like a heap. Nehemiah 9 verse 11, another encouraging scripture. It says, you divided the sea before them, so they passed through the midst of the sea, on dry ground. So many examples of how God reminds us that he brought a nation through. Psalm 66 verse 6 says that he turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. And of course, perhaps the most well-known to many of us watching today, Psalm 23. 
So such an encouraging psalm because it reminds us, God says, and David, the psalmist says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, the story of scripture actually is of God taking his people through things to get them to the other side. When Israel left Egypt, they went through the Red Sea. Then they went through the wilderness. Then they went through the Jordan River finally into the land of Canaan, of course, the promised land. And so as we follow their journey, which is what we're going to do today, we see, firstly, there was a departure point, Egypt. Then there was a journey through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, through the Jordan River. And then finally, there was a destination, the promised land. So what we're going to do today is we're going to track Israel's journey through, because it was in that period of going through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, through the Jordan River, that I think we learn the most. The question is, what can we learn from Israel about what to do in the through? Because when they were going through stuff, we see three things happening. Firstly, they wanted to camp in the past. Then they wanted to complain about the present. And then they feared the future. See, just before they were about to cross the Red Sea in Exodus 14 verse 12, we see this incredible passage. Israel talks to Moses and they go, didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That was before the Red Sea. Now check this out. After the Red Sea, in other words, after they've been through the Red Sea on dry ground in Exodus 16 verse 3, we see this. They say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Yo, they were moaning. There we sat around, listen to this, pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. You see, when we are in the through season, we can tend to overstate how good the past was. We dress up the past. Israel goes, oh, we long for the good old days. Remember when we were in Egypt, we filled our bellies with pots of meat. Egypt was amazing. Now, Certainly, there are always elements of good in the past. However, if we go through a changing world, I want us to catch this today. If we go through a changing world, thinking and romanticizing and glamorizing the past, we will end up camping in the past. And the problem with camping in the past is that you never get to your destination. We stop moving. We rob ourselves of vision for the future because we can't look back and look ahead at the same time. In other words, we, we can't look in the windscreen and the rearview mirror at the same time. And so when we glamorize and overstate and dress up the past, we end up camping there. And this means we stagnate, we stand still, and we'll never move forward. You know, I love all music. I love all types of music. But my teenage years were right in the middle of the grunge era. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, those sorts of bands. It was also the golden era for bands like Guns N' Roses and Metallica and Live and R.E.M. and U2. In fact, my bucket list item is to get to a Pearl Jam concert before I die, or one of those bucket list items at least. Our kids and Pastor Kand are always telling me, hey, you're stuck in the past. You've camped in the past. You're camping in the past with your music. And I guess I am in a sense. The problem is when we camp in the past, the knock-on effect is that it leads us to complain about the present. Now, the music in my day was fantastic. The stuff today is rubbish. Anyone ever said that? Have you ever caught yourself saying that? 
In my day, it was great, but now it's terrible. Well, Israel did just that. Egypt looks amazing right now. The past was incredible. This wilderness, terrible. The present, awful. And so I want us to catch this today. Camping in the past leads to complaining about the present. That's the knock-on effect. I love the past and I hate the present is the trap we can fall into. Problem is that when we camp in the past, the knock-on effect is that we complain about the present. And when we complain about the present, the next knock-on effect is that it becomes much harder to see a brighter future. It's like dominoes. How we feel about the past determines how we feel about the present, determines the future we see. How we see the past affects not only the present, but the future that we can see. So we see this again now in Israel's history. One day, spies from Israel are sent to check out the promised land. They're literally on the brink of the promised land. They're sent to check it out. And they come back and of the 12 sent, 10 of them come back and tell a story of fear about the good land, the future that God has given them. 10 of them come back and tell a tale of fear. We see this in Numbers 13. It says this, but the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than what we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we're traveling through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. All the people we saw, they were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. So here's what's going on. The camping that they wanted to do in the past, Egypt, and the complaining about the present in the wilderness now led to a fear of the future. And so we can end up anxious and fearful of the future. Camping in the past leads to complaining about the present, leads to fearing the future. Camping, complaining, fearing. That's the sequence. That's what happened to Israel and that's what can happen to us. So, what to do in the through? How to live well in the through season? How to live well? How not to live like Israel? Instead of camping in the past, complaining about the present and fearing the future, instead of copying what we saw them do, I want to offer for us today three alternative words to reframe our thinking that can help us to live well in the through. Three words that scripture teaches us to think about when it comes to the past, the present, and the future. One word for the past, one for the present, one for the future. Firstly, when it comes to the past, I want to suggest a healthier word rather than camp is experience. Instead of camp, let's rather think experience. When it comes to the present, let's think of the word gift. Instead of complain, let's think gift. When it comes to the future, let's think hope. Instead of fear, let's think hope. What to do in the through? How to live in the through? Well, the answer is to write a new script for the through. Firstly, let me recap. When we think past, let's not think camp. Let's think experience. We think about what we can learn from the past what experience it has offered us, what experience it has given to us. But we don't camp. And that's why Isaiah says in this famous passage in Isaiah 43 verse 18, 
He says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. In other words, don't camp in the past. Don't camp there. Don't dwell there. Don't want to stay there. Don't live in the era of grunge music. It may have been good, but come on, let's move on. Secondly, when it comes to the present, let's rewrite the script. Rewrite it from complain to gift. The reason we do this is because Jesus told us actually that now the present is a gift. Let me, let me explain this. Let's unpack this quickly for a minute or two. In Mark 1 verses 14 to 15, it says this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. I love that. The time, the time promised by God has arrived, right? Now, the Greek terms for time are chronos and kairos, each of which is translated by our English in the word time. But there's a difference in these two Greek words. You see, chronos is time that continually moves from the past through the present and into the future. It's the time that we measure our clocks and our calendars by. It's the time that dictates our lives. It's, it's the time on the move that can't be slowed or stopped. That's chronos. But kairos, the other Greek term for time, describes a present moment in time. It is the now, kairos, the now. But the really big difference between these two ideas about time is that chronos refers to quantity, how much time. Kairos refers to quality, what type of time. So when we're speaking of kairos, we're not speaking about the amount of time, but rather we're speaking about the quality of time. Hey, so for example, if you told me you went on holiday, I wouldn't ask you how much time you had on holiday. I would ask you what kind of time you had. I'd ask you, how was your holiday? Kairos is all about quality, not quantity. Okay, so back to Jesus's words in Mark. Of the two Greek words, the author of Mark could have chosen, he uses kairos, not chronos. He uses quality, not quantity. You see, Jesus is thinking not so much about the movement of time at this point, but rather about the quality of the time now. He's thinking quality, not quantity. In other words, the quality of the time we have now is really important to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is the quality of now really matters. Jesus tells us that we have now. And the quality of what we do now is really important. The present is so important. You know, you know church, there's some stuff that matters now. There's some things that we can do right now in the season, in the through, that really makes a difference to the now. It really makes a difference to how we live in the through. Let me give you a couple of practical examples. Firstly, staying connected to your Thrive family, staying connected via life group, staying connected into a college course, life college course, which of course is on the go at the moment. It really matters. Tithing and giving offerings and being generous to the church and to your families and to those in need, to the poor, it really, really matters at this time. Being in church online and on time to worship, to receive the word. I kind of want to rhyme that a little bit. Be online and on time, you know, just like it's physical church, just like you'd get to church 
on time when we came to physical church. Well, get to church online and on time for the beginning of the service so you can participate in the worship and receive the teaching. Our spiritual growth at this time, as I mentioned earlier, Life College, it really, really matters. This is stuff we can do in the now to live well in the through. Church, this is why it's so important that we don't complain in the present because we have now. And Jesus said the quality of your now really, really matters. Thirdly, when it comes to the future, let's rewrite the script from fear to hope. So remember I said, let's go in the past from camp to experience. In the present, let's go from complain to gift. Well, when it comes to the future, let's move from fear to hope. The way we move from fear to hope is to anchor ourselves in the fact that we believe God's word and God's word has made promises regarding our future. It's a famous verse. I don't want it to be cliched in this moment though. Jeremiah 29, 11 is true. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Here's the thing, church. Ultimately, we have hope for the future, not because of how our world looks, but because we believe God's word. It's his word that defines our worldview. Therefore, if he says that he has plans for a hopeful and prosperous future for us, then that's the view of the future that I should hold. Church, what to do in the through, how to live well in the through, we rewrite the script for through. The past is not where we camp. Actually, we reframe it, we rewrite it, we say it's where we got our experience. The present is not where we complain. We rewrite the script to say the present is a gift. The future is not what we fear. It's filled with hope. Come church, what to do in the through? Let's live well in the through. Come, let's change the script. No camping, no complaining, no fearing. Instead, let's become the people who are filled with experience from the past People who realize every season, especially the present one, is a gift. And people who are filled with hope for the future. Not because the world looks good, but because God says our future will be good. And it is Jesus that makes all the difference. It's Jesus that enables us to do so. It's Jesus that helps us to rewrite the script. So let's bring this to a point of application in our lives today. What am I asking you to do with this message today? Well, I, I firstly want to ask you to evaluate how you've been thinking about the past firstly. Let's ask ourselves, church, whether we've been camping in the past a little bit. Let's ask ourselves whether we, maybe we've been dressing up Egypt, glamorizing it. Even the season before COVID-19, maybe now it feels like utopia. You know, maybe now even we've been telling ourselves the story that you know, before COVID-19, everything was amazing. Well, that's not the truth. That's not reality. We all know that it's not. Let's not glamorize the past. Let's not camp in the past. Let's not simply want to go back to the past. Can I ask you to evaluate your thoughts firstly when it comes to the past? Secondly, let's ask ourselves the question of how we've been defining the present. Jesus reminds us in that incredible passage in Mark that what we have is now, and the quality of now really matters. So let's not camp in the past, but at the same time, let's not complain about the present. Let's redefine the present and re it 
from complain to gift. And lastly, I want to ask you to think about how you've been thinking about the future. Maybe the word that has been hanging over your future is fear. Can I ask you to redefine that and redefine the word as being hope? The way we do that is by the power of Christ. It's Jesus that makes all the difference because those of us who know him know that the minute he comes into our lives, he begins to write a new story with our lives. Thrive Church is passionate about helping people move towards Jesus. And we say we, we do that in three ways. We want to help people be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. The starting point to redefining the script in our lives is to be with Him so we can become like Him, so we can do what He did. So it's Jesus that makes all the difference. Church, I want to encourage all of us those of us who know Jesus and those of us who might be exploring faith and might be wondering about God, even in this moment, I want to encourage us that the key to this is Jesus. Those of us in church who know and love Jesus, our, this is a call for us and a reminder for us to go back to being with Him. Because the more we are with Him, the more we'll become like Him, the more we'll do what He did. The more this message will be applied in our lives, the more we'll be able to redefine the through, the more we'll be able to redefine how we're thinking about the past, the present, and the future. It all comes back to Jesus. How close we are to Jesus determines the story that we tell of our past, our present, and our future. Can I encourage you today, this week, spend some time with Him. Spend a bit more time with Him and allow Him to rewrite the script. However, there might be some of us watching today who've never made a decision to follow Jesus, never made that decision. You've been maybe wondering about God, wondering about Jesus, wondering about this church thing. Well, today I've got an invitation for you. This is the best invitation ever. You see, Jesus said that he stands at the door of every human being's heart and he knocks. And whoever hears him, opens the door, invites him in, he comes in to dine with them and they with him. And that is the start of a friendship with Jesus. And friendship with Jesus makes all the difference. Today, my invitation to you is invite him in. Make a decision to follow him. So for those of you today who want to make that decision to follow Jesus, it would be my pleasure and my privilege to pray for you. I'm going to do that in this moment and I invite you to join with me. Father God, we want to thank you so much for your love and for your grace and your goodness. Jesus, we want to thank you that you left heaven, came to earth, put on our flesh and blood, lived a perfect life, died in our place, died a sacrificial death in our place to pay for our sin, to pay for where we've blown it and where we've missed the mark. You rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, and you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And in this moment, I want to make a decision to say yes to you, to follow you, to invite you into my life. And as I do so, I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to ask you to begin to rewrite the script of my life. Thank you that you can deal with my past, my present, and my future. In this moment, as I'm making this decision, thank you that you are faithful to your word. You come into my life and begin to write a new story with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, if you joined me in that prayer today, 
We want to let you know that that is the best decision you could ever have made. We want you to know that all across the East Rand, people in Thrive Church right now are celebrating with you. They're cheering with you. They are so glad that you made that decision. We'd love to invite you to let us know that you made that decision simply by indicating that in this moment. You can do that in one of two ways. If you're watching on our church online platform, you'll notice that there's a little raised hand in the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You could simply click on that and people are going to go wild that are watching just knowing that you've made that decision. Or alternatively, you can simply WhatsApp the words, follow Jesus to the number on the screen. One of our leaders will simply text you back, say congratulations and offer to send you something helpful. It's the best decision any human being could ever make. We're so chuffed, we're so pleased that you made that decision. Hey, why don't you let us know in this moment that you did so. Church, as we wrap up today, our prayer for you is that the past would be redefined, that the past would not camp there, but that we would look at it and go experience, that the present, we'd look at it and not complain, but that we realize it's a gift. Jesus told us the now is a gift and we'd be reminded that we don't need to fear the future, but that future has hope written all over it because your word said it. I can't wait to dive into the next few weeks of the series, what to do in the through. It's gonna be so helpful. Have an amazing, amazing week, everybody. Take care. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.